You're listening to audio from The Village Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or give to our ministry, please visit us at thevillagechurch.net. Good morning. Uh, if we haven't had the privilege to meet yet, my name is Josh Cockrum, and I serve here in the young adult ministry and as a high school leader. Um, our passage this morning is going to be in Romans chapter 8, verses 14 to 17. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Josh. Good morning. How are we doing? Good. Oh, yeah, you are doing good. Hey. My name is Mason King. I'm one of the elders here. I also oversee the Village Church Institute and our home groups, and I am really excited to be with you. Uh, We're in our last week of our series on discipleship entitled, Formed, God's Good Design for Identity, Purpose, and Belonging. And if you're keeping score at home, uh, that means we're talking about belonging this week. We've talked about identity and purpose, and here we are. Now, when we do this, we are using this definition. Discipleship to Jesus is the continual surrender of all of life to God's good design for identity, purpose, and belonging. And so we say that we are surrendering all of life for all of life. It's, like how, it's how I like to think about it, that there's not a part of my life that I'm going to hide. There's not a part of my life that I'm going to section off or think, well, no one's going to see that because God sees all of it. And then I'm going to bring it all to Him and surrender it to Him again and again and again until I give back the breath he's given to me. And then I get to offer to Jesus the person I've become over the course of a lifetime. So it's not a once and done. It is a once into salvation and then a continual surrender for the rest of your life to God's good design for identity, purpose, and belonging. When we talked about identity, we said that Christians receive our identity from our maker. We don't construct it ourselves. We are creatures. We are not the creator. And the creator alone gets to set our core identity and he moves towards us in love so that we might know we are first and foremost his children. And when we talked about purpose, we said that God has given you a unique identity as his child, that you're the product of sovereign details, the time you were born into, the home you were born into, the relationships you have encountered. All of these things work together that you might Reflect God's goodness, truth, and beauty to the world. But not just so that you would do a job for him, but because he delights in you as his child. And he wants you to find the kind of life that he's designed for you. And so with this unique identity, each of us in Christ is given gifts by the Spirit, which are ways of being that we can offer to the church that we might build each other up in love from administration to words of encouragement to intercessory prayer, each of us has a gift that we bring because we are different parts of the same body. We are the family of God, the body of Christ. Now, in thinking about this and thinking about you and taking notes, I decided to go two-thirds Baptist today, which means I only have two points that are alliterated, not three. (laughs) So we're going to talk about the pattern and the place of belonging. The pattern and the place of of belonging. The pattern is this. God is our creator. He designed us to thrive relationally in specific ways. 
You and I desire stability, security, and health, and, and health in relationships with others. Security, stability, and health. Sin misshapes how we think about these desires and how we fulfill them. So psychologists use these terms, stability, security, and health, to describe core needs that form the pattern of belonging. From our earliest days, it's said that we are born looking for someone looking for us. We are designed to belong, and we crave it from birth. And the desire for belonging is fundamental to our lives, and so for many, it has this gravitational, gut-level pull that want to be accepted, to be seen, to be known, to be loved. It has this gravitational, gut-level pull that can override what we know with our head about our identity and purpose in God. Many of us have been or know people who felt like they never belonged anywhere, only to be welcomed inside, to be loved, to be affirmed, and to find meaning in misshapen patterns and insufficient communities of belonging. Now, if you're wondering, where do you see that? I'll tell you, you see this all over the headlines. You see this all over your social media feeds, and you see this in daily life. From the gyms we join, the friends we choose, the sexual orientation, our gender identity we embrace, the posture of victimhood or the search for control over our lives. We are designed to belong to our maker and each other, but there are plenty of misshapen patterns we pursue to meet this desire outside of God's good design. They are insufficient ways to bring the kind of security, stability, and health that God has for our lives. And as God's children, we find this ultimate stability, security, and health in our relationship with our Father, our Creator. Adam and Eve had this in the garden, like in spades, as they walked with God in the cool of the, of the day, and they were unashamed in His presence. It was when they disobeyed God that stability, security, and health, their pattern of belonging was broken, causing them to hide from God. And relationship with God and each other were ruptured by sin. And so we look at our text for today from Romans that we live by the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters of God by whom we cry, Abba, Father. That the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. And so if we are children of God, Christian, if you are a child of God, if we are children of God, heirs with Christ, indwelt by the Spirit, and we believe we are adopted in love and not out of obligation, then why do we struggle to feel like we belong to God and to each other? Why are we filled with fear of rejection from God and each other? Why do we spend our days defending ourselves from hurt, disappointment, and suffering at the hands of another when we are offered stability, security, and health with our Maker? Often we think our relationship with God is altogether different than our relationships with other people, meaning we act like connection to God should be straightforward and it's people that are hard. Todd Hall writes about this in his work. He says, in this view, there is a psychological part of us involved in our human relationships and a spiritual part of us that handles matters having to do with God and morality. 
This presents the possibility of a radical disconnect between our relationships with humans on the one hand and with God on the other hand. This view, however, doesn't square with what the Bible has to say about love or the human soul or with contemporary research on the association between our patterns of relationship with humans and with God. We are creatures made with one way of belonging, just one. It's the only way we know, and it's a pattern in need of repair. And this pattern of belonging is disrupted by sin because our connection to God is separated. His presence is removed from humanity's lives as they leave the garden, and the influence of sin spreads to every part of our lives. And so I quoted Kurt Thompson earlier when I said that every one of us is born looking for someone looking for us. And we are born this way, and so were our parents, our caregivers, and so were theirs, and each one back down the line. We grow up desiring to belong to God and others, and we feel the need of belonging before we have the words. It's just part of us. But too many of us are met by broken patterns impacted by sin long before we feel the beauty of true belonging. The stability, security, and health of our childhood homes formed our perceptions of identity, purpose, and belonging so profoundly that we feel our past before we can interpret how it impacts our present. And until we delight in our adoption as God's children and live within God's family, we will offer our desires to sinful, misshapen patterns outside of God's good design. It's exactly as Augustine says in his Confessions, which, spoiler alert, was not written in the last 20 years. This is what he says. Man is one of your creatures, Lord, and his instinct is to praise you. The thought of you stirs him so deeply that he cannot be content unless he praises you because you made us for yourself and our hearts find no peace until they rest in you. So I want you to consider these words. If you've got a pen, if you're taking notes, it's only three concepts, so maybe you can handle this basic math. It's Aggie math, I'm trying to keep it simple. I don't have my ring on, but that's for me. Um, if you had to consider these words, security, stability, and health, and you had to put a number, one to 10, low to high, on your relationship to those three things with God, what would they be? Because some questions that you can maybe just respond to if that's easier. One to 10, do you feel secure in Christ? Does God's love for you feel stable and steady? Is there healthy fruit of God's grace in your life. Our formational relationships impact our relationship with our maker more than we ever admit or know. And we're talking about belonging to him. And there's just good news that what we came into and had no control over doesn't have to be the way we live for the rest of our lives. So I'm going to ask you this, where are you trying to meet your core needs outside of God's good design? Who or what are you going to? 
God moves towards his people again and again to fulfill the desires of his design. You see, God knows he is who we need. He moved toward Abraham, Moses, and David, promising himself to them in relationship and covenant belonging. And he moved toward Israel repeatedly, offering to meet their soul's desire and be their king. Only Israel kept going after idols and sinful, insufficient means of getting their needs met. And God has come towards us in Christ to repair the broken pattern of belonging that you and I have inherited and endured. You see, Christ comes to offer at a soul level with our maker in a way that can never, he offers belonging at a soul level in our maker in a way that can never be taken away. This is what we read in Romans 8. Who's going to take you out of Christ's hands? No one and nothing. You are in Christ. If you read John 17, Christ praying in the garden, you see that he prays that we might be one with him even as he and the Father are one, that we might receive love from Christ even as Christ receives love from the Father. This is John 15, 9 that haunts me in the most hopeful way that Christ says to his disciples, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You see, the pattern of belonging is that we are made for God over and above any other relationship. We are his children, seen, known, and loved. And in God's love, we are kept. He is a safe harbor. He is our security. That's the pattern of belonging. Now, the place of belonging is the church, God's family, the body of Christ. You see, we know that Israel was set apart as God's people. They were to be a light to the nations who would live differently because of who they belonged to. To belong to the people of God inherently meant that your moral and ethical actions were shaped by God's good design. Your life conformed to his design and it pointed to his beauty. And this brought about a kingdom quality of life despite your circumstance. And in the Mosaic Covenant, we see strict provisions for a way of being, one that surrenders to God's design, represents him to the world. And God's presence was among his people in the ark, among his people in the temple. And God's presence represented his beauty, his glory, and his favor. And now the presence of God resides among those in Christ, in the family of God. It resides in us. The Holy Spirit, for those in Christ, the Holy Spirit indwells you. The presence of God lives in you. You are a temple unto the Lord. We are a temple collectively unto the Lord that his presence lives among us. And the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, securing our belonging stabilizing our inconsistencies and bringing health by rehumanizing us one degree at a time. And where we doubt God's adoptive love towards us, the Spirit testifies that we don't need to be children of fear because we are children of God, predestined in love, not obligation, as we read of in Ephesians 1. And so to belong to God's people is to bring your unique identity, your spiritual gifts, and a right sense of interdependence that we, as the family of God, the body of Christ, might flourish together. Last week, Matt referenced 1 Corinthians 12. We'll read it as a reminder. 
Now there are varieties of gifts for the same spirit, and there are varieties of service but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. You see, the place of belonging is the family of God. And among the family of God, there is no need for or place for competition, coveting, positioning, or pride. There is no place for these things among the people of God. These are ways that we fought for security, stability, and health when we were not in Christ. We're invited to act differently now, to have the mind of Christ, to serve one another out of love and to live with unity within the body, which is the call of Ephesians 4, which says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So when we are tempted to compete, to covet, to look down on others based on gift, talent, opportunity, or station in life. We lose sight of the only basis that any of us have before God, the mercy of God in Christ, his adoptive love towards us. And so God invites us to find a restored pattern and a secure place of belonging by living within the church, which is God's family. And within this place of belonging, we use our gifts to make much of God and encourage each other along the way because we need each other. Here's Hebrews 3. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. We need each other. You see, from time to time, this broken pattern of belonging haunts me. It tempts me to doubt God's goodness, to meet desires with instant gratification, to try and provide for myself with insufficient promises of sin. And so when I am discouraged, when I am lonely, when I feel isolated or sad, I need to know my truest place of belonging that I forever belong to the people of God because I am forever in Christ. Bonhoeffer talks about it like this. He says, when the Christ in me is weak, I need the Christ in my brother or sister to be strong. When my heart is going to fail, I need to be encouraged and pulled forward in hope by my family. You and I have a living resurrection hope in Christ. You and I have a vested interest in each other, persevering into the end. We owe it to each other to be concerned for each other in love. See, Christ restores this broken pattern of belonging, bringing us to God. And for all of our coping strategies to find security, stability, and health, Christ receives us with disarming and restorative grace. And he does this most often through this people through his body, through believers in Christ, children of God. He enables us to extend this grace to each other because by faith in Christ, we belong to each other. 
And because we've been united to Christ, we're united to one another. And so your place of belonging is the people of God. The desire you have to belong, to feel deeply, to run with a crew who knows your past and is committed to your future. This is God's good design for you. And these are designs to be fulfilled within God's family. The world cannot meet these in the sufficiency that Christ can, that the Holy Spirit can through the people of God. And so it is a fear of rejection. It's the sting of shame. It's the embrace of accusation that cause us to have our hearts shrink back from being known among this people. And those are all attempts to breed cynicism, skepticism, and doubt that God is who he says that he is and what he says about us is true. And friends, I gotta tell you, this is not a new lie. I'm consistently disappointed, shocked, surprised when we come to faith in Christ admitting that we are needy people. We are unable to save ourselves because we've tried and we need Jesus. But then about four or five years in, we think, I can't tell Jesus I'm a wreck because he did so much for me. Like he forgot or didn't know or isn't outside of time and sees your final days and knows. But we do the same with each other. You are sitting in a room of people who, if you are in Christ, you have admitted, I'm a wreck, I'm a mess, I need help. And the only person who can help me is Christ. And then by belonging to his people, the Holy Spirit will help change me. We admit all those things, and then down the line we think, well, I can't tell my friends I'm having a hard time because I'm supposed to be perfect now. You're laughing because it's uncomfortable because it's true. Because we think that we get in by grace and we sustain it by performance. We survive, we come through, we turn around. It's one of my favorite writer's looks. We, go, we turn around, he says, the fact that we've survived is grace. Don't believe the lie. It is the mercy of God that his spirit works through us to encourage each other forward with hearts made increasingly whole by grace. So Christ moves not only to repair the broken pattern by our union with him, but our very selves are also healed through the grace of secure, stable, and healthy human relationships within the family of God. So the last year I've been nerding out on uh, neurobiology and plasticity. These are big words for an Aggie, so forgive me. Um, I'm kidding. But what I've been thinking through is the neuroscience is catching up with God's grace and his wisdom. Because what it's showing us is that the plasticity in our brains, these neurons are actually reordered, realigned, and restored when you encounter the grace of God in another human relationship. So let me tell you it like this. All the things that you want to hide, all the things you're afraid that if someone knew about you, they would tuck tail and run, that you would be abandoned and shamed and left alone. Christ knows all those things and he does not shame you. He does not shame you. He comes to you and says, I know, and I'm here for it. And I have mercy for you. Let's go. And so when you bring all those things to a human relationship and someone receives you with that posture, someone who has been met by Christ receives you with that posture of, I know, you are seen, you are known, you are loved because of what Christ has done and who he is. 
We actually bring security, stability, and health to each other. And what happens is when you look at the neuroscience is that the mirror neurons, when a person is attuned to another person, one's brain begins to rewire itself and heal itself. Look at the Lord. That his mercy would be that in healthy human relationships, he might begin by the power of his spirit to heal his people. And so with the Holy Spirit in each of us, we can receive comfort and encourage each other as Christ receives comfort and encourages us. So Paul says as much in 2 Corinthians, he says this, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we might be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So when we share the story of our misshapen selves, when we tell others of our broken patterns in our past and we give them to those that we call family in the family of God, we actually get to reinterpret what we've told ourselves, what we've been told, and what we've lived out along the way because we allow others to speak grace and truth to us because they are family in Christ. And I'll tell you this, the family of God does not thrive in a Jesus and me mentality. Everything I've talked about, God's design for security, stability, and health, the rewiring of our very selves, being renewed in our minds, does not thrive in a Jesus and me mentality. Rugged individualism is not the way of Christ. It's just not. The pattern of Christ is humility and other-mindedness rooted in love. Paul says this in Philippians. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. You see, Christ calls those who believe in God, he calls them like a city on a hill, like a lamp you let shine in the open. You gonna hide under a bushel? No. It's for EBS kids. Baptist? Okay. <laughs> but Paul calls the family of God the aroma of life. The family of God is the aroma of life in a dying world. In the Old Testament, the people of God were known for their sacrifices and their ethical choices. This distinguished them from the nations and pointed to the holiness of God. In our world, in our cynical, broken world, full of broken patterns and false places of belonging, living out God's pattern for belonging in its intended place among his people that demonstrates a Christ-like love that stands, shines, and smells like life to those with eyes to see, ears to hear, and a hunger for truth. Christ told his disciples so in John 13. He said, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And then later John writes, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. And in this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us 
and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So I've got some questions for you. Just give you a few seconds to think through this. Do you have people in your life, do you have people who know your broken patterns and are committed to loving you out of them? Will the people right now, the people that you give your love to, rehumanize you or dehumanize you in the long run? We don't have a neutral effect on each other. Are you pointing people, are, do your people that you give your love to point you to Jesus or draw you from him? And then where can you recognize and replace false patterns and messages, lies you've believed with the reality of God's love towards you? You see, in our individualistic world, do you know what it means to love the people of God with such commitment, to love someone other than yourself with such commitment that it costs you. That it costs you. See, that's the pattern of Christ. At great cost to himself, he loves us and restores our broken patterns. He brings us life and love. And so being formed in the image of Christ, renewed in the image of our maker, putting off the old man, putting on the new one, this is a lifelong process of continual surrender to God's good design. That's why we say all of life for all of life. And it begins with an initial surrender of faith in Christ, a moment of salvation to move from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And this is that if you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Forever changed in a moment. And then by faith in and being united to Christ and God's family, the church, broken patterns are increasingly repaired from one degree to the next. And so I ask you, are you tired of hunting for security, stability, and health? Are you tired of it? Are you hurting to belong? God has made you, and your deepest desires are met in Him. You can come home. You can come home to Him for the first time today if you want by believing in Jesus. If you're already a Christian, we continually surrender to God's good design. Like surrender should be a way of being, not a once a year occurrence. We are continually surrendering to God's design. So I'd ask you this, where do you need to surrender today? Where are you trying to fulfill your identity, your purpose, or your belonging outside of God's design and will for you? Where have you sought to belong to idols and empty addictions? Where are you reenacting broken patterns of connection? These things are hardwired in us. Sometimes they just show up and we realize they're happening. 
Where are you willingly giving yourself to things that you know cannot deliver what they're promising? Half-hearted joy is not worth it, friends. You are offered life. I ask you, are you living out of your belonging to the family of God? Are you well-known enough among a people here that they can receive comfort and encourage you as Christ has for them? See, we are his hands and feet to each other, so I'd say this. Do you have a group of people whose stories you know and who know yours in return? Because if you don't, a home group or recovery is a great place to start. As much as we all want to be loved, we fail to love all the time, don't we? We long for love. We are born looking for someone looking for us, and we think often, I wish someone would just reach out and call I wish someone would know me. I want to see, I want to feel seen, known, and loved. That's all of us, friends. And so where can you take a step of love toward another member of God's family? Where can you go outside of yourself and look to someone else? Where can you show grace and demonstrate love, demonstrate love to those outside of Christ? We've spoken of our upcoming service on Saturday in the fall. Maybe this is a place where you can serve those who wouldn't normally be able to attend who might not be able to hear the gospel. Lastly, I'd ask you this. What does the picture of belonging look like around you in God's family? This is a big room. And it's the second time we filled this big room today. I'm talking about your smaller group of friends, people who know your story and you know theirs. How are you embodying the everyday quality of Christian love that we read in 1 Corinthians 13? He's nowhere near a wedding. He's talking about normal, everyday Christian love. And he says this, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. This kind of love makes broken people whole. This kind of love makes broken people whole. And so may we be loved into people who love like this. All in the pattern of our Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. I just want to give you 30 seconds to note and respond in prayer over the Lord is pressing on you right now. If you want to know who Christ is, there's men and women who will be near the sound booth or at the front of the service as we close. Love to talk with you. Father, we thank you that you have made us new.
Because of Christ and our union with him, we are a new creation and you are working, renewing and transforming us from the inside out that we might be fully human in your design. And so we ask for your mercy that you would help us. Do you help us where we continually go to broken patterns, to buckets without bottoms, thinking they're going to carry our hopes? And would you help us see Jesus more clearly? Would you help us to grow in security, stability, and health, knowing that you provide these things for us in a way that nothing else can? May we know and may we realize that we are seen, known, and loved by you and you keep us. I pray in Christ's name, amen.